Hello, and welcome to Western Reaches number 12. Um, this is a Tashi Station podcast hosted by myself and my friend staff about all the things that we're reading and playing at the moment. We have a very important guest today, um, Brian from Tashi Station, is going to be here to talk to us about No Man's Sky for our main topic. V- very important. Let's not overstate it here. Well, you're the reason we're here. <laughs> Uh, I, I I was just lucky to have you two fall into the into our proverbial laps, as it were. <laughs> well, you are the one of us who has actually played this game that we're going to be discussing, so we're going to be sort of grilling you about that. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but first, we're going to do our usual segments. Um, first, what have we been reading? I don't want to go first. Saf, what have you been up to? I hope you're all excited for me to brutally tear apart a book I don't like. Um, I've been looking forward to this since you started talking about it on Twitter. (laughs) I recently picked up a book off the mystery shelf at the library um, called Join, which looked kind of cool. It was about um, basically people who join together to become one person, one conscious. So they've got a whole bunch of little bodies running around, but it's just one person all up. Um, A little bit like the ancillaries from... (laughs) ancillary justice and stuff which was partly why i picked it up i think and also just the idea of the merging consciousness thing sounded really cool and the back of the book had like stuff about how it was a subtle exploration of humanity and things like that which i'm into so i picked it up and it looked interesting and i was like okay cool i have time to wait until ancillary mercy gets in the library so i'll read this and at first it was like A typical kind of dude writing generic sci-fi kind of thing where whenever a female character was introduced, it would go to great lengths to be like, she's not classically beautiful, but she has a long, elegant nose and high cheekbones and big eyes and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, because I didn't look at first who'd written it because I tend to not look at author names before reading things, which is probably bad, but... I didn't know at first who was reading it, and I got to that point, and I was like, a dude is writing this, isn't it? And I flipped to the front and looked at the name, and I was like, yeah, it's a it's a dude. It's written by Steve Totongi, by the way. Um, but that wasn't really the worst thing. The worst thing was that it just didn't make any sense. The entire story just didn't really have a coherent narrative that was building towards anything. There were a lot of ideas about humanity being distanced from earth and global warming and climate change destroying everything and the joins being insensitive about humanity and the planet dying but it didn't really go anywhere and didn't have a theme that had a conclusion in any way it ended but the ending didn't really give any closure or impact to the story, and there was no real climax either. And I think if there had been some kind of meaning to the story in the end, I would have enjoyed it more. But another thing I didn't like was that the joins themselves, they're mixed up of different genders and different ethnicities and all of that, because it's just people merging. And despite the fact that it made it very clear that joins would sleep together with the their particular drives which is what they called the solo people within the join the drives would sleep together within joins or joins would sleep with other joins just swapping drives whenever they wanted kind of thing but they made the book very very heterosexual very strongly heterosexual every single pairing mentioned within it was a dude and a girl no matter what every time and like that's fine you can write that if you want but don't go to great lengths to talk about how these joins are genderless creatures or genderless beings who don't have a gender, but then go out of your way to reassure the reader that 
don't worry, it's still straight. And then also, there is the whole thing that they're like, joins aren't gendered. They're they're not gendered. And I was like, cool. So they'll use, you know, the, the typical non-gendered pronoun, they. And they keep calling them it's. So it was like, they're not gendered. They're an it. And I was like, that's not that's not really that that good. So, okay. And so everything this book did just was not in any way amazing or breathtaking. And none of the humanity talk was subtle in any way. It would be like... Um, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mm. quite catch the end of that. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's sort of just a wreck from beginning to end. Were there sort of any redeeming features? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was distracted by um, the conversation chat. Um, yeah, it. The, I think the redeeming features were that it didn't stereotype any of the drives to genders particularly, and it would... Mm, it didn't particularly make the female characters weaker because it was going to try to prove that they weren't female essentially which was kind of cool but apart from that it was just yeah it was bad uh what a great concept though that just uh it sounds like the execution just did not work yeah it was a really cool concept and i think it could have been done really well the entire time i was reading it i was thinking about what i would do if i'd taken the same concept and written my own novel for it and it I don't know. At least it gave me hope that I could get a novel published one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I'll read read those books. Do, I wonder, it does seem like it has a lot of comparison to the sort of idea in the uh, Ratch series and, you know, other books have done that. But that's kind of interesting that you're reading two books about people with multiple bodies. Yeah, and I think reading ancillary justice and ancillary sword before this book was probably not good for this book because if i'd read it before them i at least wouldn't have had that frame of reference of oh this book is really cool about gender and oh this book is really cool interpretations of how multiple people could make up one consciousness and then i read this book which did not do it anywhere near as well and so i had an even better frame of reference for what it could have been which did not play well for how that book turned out for me yeah so, have you finished Ancillary Sword? Yes. I finished it last week, I think, and then straight away ran down to the library to get the next book or to order it in because the online catalog was down and I could not do it online, which was the worst thing. And it it was really good. It was really good because Ancillary Sword has the Mercy of Calor, which is a ship, which Brick yes. ends up commanding. <laughs> and so it's got the entire crew on that that you end up really caring about because they're all really interesting characters and this station that they end up on with all the other characters in there and all the, the political stuff there and I just started Ancillary Mercy yesterday and I'm already like two-thirds of the way through it and I'm loving it so much the series is so good I'm so glad you like it I sword I think I remember saying on the um the Tashi Station book club podcast that sword really sort of it doesn't lower the stakes, but it really drills down into one particular world. So it's all set on that one that one planet and that one station. And I, I sort of struggled with that for a while, and I felt that it needed to sort of zoom out again. But when I think back to it, I don't really mind, because there were so many characters you get to see 
Ons sister, you get to see the, the tea growing enterprise, you get to see the translators who I adore. Oh my god, I love that. them. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, because translator Zayat comes in in Mercy, and she is honestly the best character. I love her so much. <laughs> when when she comes in, and you just sort of realize that like translator Zayat is a real person, I was just, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Because I always thought just like Dalek is confused. So for people that aren't going into the nitty gritty of this, they're translators to the Ratch from this sort of unknown alien species. And Zayat mentions, or they, they, Zayat and Dalek are sort of used interchangeably. And then later on you find out they're actually two different people and it's amazing. Yeah, but they seem to swap who they are potentially depending on which name they have i don't know if that gets cleared up later on but right now it seems like they'll take a name and then they'll act like that person and be like yes i'm that person now i'm so glad i'm not that other person and it's really weird but i I love it (laughs) i would love to see the social like what is it like for those translators like how do they grow up they're obviously sort of grown they're they're they don't have anything like normal lives and they don't have anything like normal social understandings but i i love them yeah they're really they're imitation humans and built by people that don't entirely understand how humans work yes (laughs) yeah and i think the focusing on um etowick i don't know how to actually say it i know it's said that the h is silent um which is the planet they end up on in the second book and the station there um, I think the focus on that and on Mercy of Kala really helps with making the third book stronger emotionally because everything that happens in the third book, the stakes are really high because you care so much about all of the characters suddenly. And if the second book hadn't spent so much time focusing on that, the third book wouldn't have had that impact, I think. Yeah, I always pronounced it Athoek. I completely forgot that the H was supposed to be silent. Yeah, I did too um, until my friend tweeted me about it and spelt it really weirdly because he listened to the audiobooks. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it took me a while to click that he was talking about Atowick because he didn't include the H and it was spelt weirdly. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Mercy of Kaller sort of comes in at the very end of the first book and you're just like, oh, is this sort of standoffish ship? But the relationship between her and Breck is one of my favorite friendships slash whatever you sort of want it to be uh in the series yeah there's one moment in mercy of color where like that gets that gets a moment and it's so good i i actually teared up i got so emotional about it and it's been so long since a book has made me that emotional it's amazing well we'll have to talk more about that yeah so that's a good transition actually because i outright cried over the obelisk gate this week um it's so it's the obelisk gate by nk jemison the sequel to the fifth season which won a hugo award just recently um it is about a world where people are essentially earthbenders so like they can control rock but the whole continent is under constant or near constant seismic change so like everyone is used to earth shattering earthquakes every like like um ones that destroy the entire civilization every hundred years or so oh god it's amazing world building Hmm? screw that (laughs) 
<laughs> it's no nobody nobody likes it, but they're used to it. Um, so and it's it's the the continent is called the Shattering, and they're used to these seasons where every so many years an apocalypse level uh, environmental event just tears up the entire society. But the society is so used to that that it has all these protocols in place for how to keep humanity alive. Um, so really interesting world building. The I got really attached to the characters in the first one. There's a lot of different gender representation, like sexuality representation. Um, the second one goes, so the first one follows a, a character, mo mostly follows Essen, and the second one also goes into the point of view of her daughter, Nassen. And especially in Nassen's part, there's so much complex characterization. And like one of the things that I liked the most about it was that characters can hold extremely contradictory feelings. Like uh, Nassen's father is abusive and she loves him, but she also knows how to manipulate him to keep her safe. And she also sort of hates him because he's sort of a terrible person. And the way that was written was so good. Um, the way the characters kind of perceive their own tragedies was so good. And there were tears. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. It's absolutely, like, there's so much controversy around the Hugos, so saying it deserved a Hugo doesn't mean as much as it did, but it's it deserves all the awards, all of them. Yeah, I remember looking it up after it won the Hugo because one of my friends who had actually read it was like, this is one of the books that I think would actually deserve it if not for all of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that actually got me interested because she hates, like, every book, more so than me. And she likes, like, three books in the universe. And so the fact <laughs> that she was like, this is a good book made me really curious about it. But then I looked it up and then totally forgot about it right after then. So I'm going to put that on my list. The, the prose itself is so good. I think one of the first lines of the first book is, this is how the world ends for the last time. And that just resonates. And stuff that gets mentioned really briefly in the first book just resonates. And it's amazing. And she, uh, N.K. Jemison recently tweeted, like, thanks to my agent who prevented me from throwing this book into a fire because I didn't think I could do it or didn't think I could do it justice. And, like... To me, as someone who's sort of trying, attempting to commit writing, um, that was really encouraging. Like, she didn't really believe in this, but worked on it and had people who believed in her, and it came out to be so beautiful, and that was really significant to me. That's so lovely. Yeah. We can just bask in that for a yeah. while. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that because so, I, too, am trying to write a thing, so... It's nice to yeah. know that people who do write good things often doubt themselves too. Absolutely. And I've enjoyed all of the books by her that I've read, you know, to greater or lesser degree. But please read the fifth season. Please cry with me. <laughs> I will definitely uh, put so, that on my list. Yes. <laughs> so, Brian, what uh, what are you up to? Uh, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of time to read the last couple of months with the uh, real estate fun, but I have recently started rereading Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn for some podcast thing we decided to do this week. 
Uh, yeah. So uh, if you hadn't seen, I will be. I will be What's paying that? rapt attention to. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we launched a new podcast on Tashi Station called Throncast, where we are uh, reading book club style uh, the. Heir to the Heir to the Empire, um, the other Thrawn trilogy books, and some other novels uh, featuring Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, we have shamelessly stolen our format from one of Saf's other podcasts, Rogue Podron, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that'll that'll be fun. And uh, I'll be reading that in small chapter chunks for the next while. Podcasts like that are super fun, and it's going to be a blast having the Thrawn cast around. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get into rap battles with Rogue Podrin. <laughs> I swear I'm not being involved in any of those. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, what I'm reading right now. Um, I've got an advanced copy of Ahsoka that uh, is waiting for me to read, and uh, I'm probably going to uh, start soliciting ideas for other non-Star Wars novels I can add to my list. Well, don't don't rejoin. Uh, no, join is definitely not on the list. Thank you for the Good. heads up on that, because if I'd picked up that book, my expectations would have been sky high just for the premise, and I would have been thoroughly let down. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I could read it and tell everyone else not to read it. But I mean, I feel like even though I tend to not like books, I feel I'm perfectly justified in how much I dislike this book, so... People might argue with me on this, but I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> well, so this, I feel like we're in such a good time for books. And I've, I've said this on Twitter because I'm starting to just chat about books more often. And like there have been times in recent history when you sort of had to take what you could get when it comes to science fiction, I think. Like where there were some really big name authors and then a lot of kind of really lower quality stuff and right now is like such a great time and I'm amazed that I've been able to keep up with like current novels as much as I have there's so much good stuff that like don't you don't you don't need to go through the slush pile you know yeah definitely uh, yeah, absolutely um it's an embarrassment of riches so yeah I don't have the need to waste time with things that don't work for me yeah, you should read the fifth season. <laughs> uh, that is that is actually high on my list. Uh, I am looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting around to that one. Oh, and like I didn't even mention how much like racial allegory is in that series. It's so much Ooh. about like social inequality because the the origins, the rock magic people are absolutely like allegory for African Americans or for black communities in places where people don't necessarily want black communities and it's um as a white person I know I have a lot to learn about that and there are things in here that make me go like oh that's what this is like and that's uh something that I think is is really good and it's something that NK Jemison is obviously very passionate about yep definitely on my reading list uh as soon as I get a little more time i probably gonna read that i literally just requested it from the library so i'm gonna have a lot of books to read i think i've got i actually got it sitting in my kindle library i bought it a while ago when it went on some flash sale i just haven't gotten around to it yet <laughs> i uh i actually have both of them on 
on iBooks and I know that if I hadn't if I'd bought a physical copy I would have handed it to like all of my friends by now it's been like you have to read this like you're not allowed to leave my house until you read this <laughs> <laughs> which the last book that I was like that with was Ancillary Justice so this is good company yeah um cool so let's move on into games um i'm gonna reverse the order so brian what are you playing because we're gonna talk more about what you're playing later but uh no man's sky obviously which we'll get to later and unfortunately i've really only had time to play that and fifa 16 i know i know i like i really like sports games (laughs) i i don't judge you at all for that my only exposure to fifa is through John Green, but oh, uh, I the, AFC Wimble- <laughs> the AFC Wimbledon, uh, Wimbly Wombly's. Yes, I have a a friend who's into that, and that's all I know about it. But good, are you are you enjoying it? I I am. I I mean, I I actually play FIFA 16 just because it's a really easy game I can play while I pull the exercise bike out and get a half hour in. So I just pull that in front of the TV, play some FIFA 16, and. Let's just say my heart rate goes up a lot when I'm chasing a goal. <laughs> <laughs> that that seems like such a good setup. I don't have like the room space, you know, I share where I live and like I'm, I'm not able to set that up, but I would I love the sound of people that like do treadmills and gaming because it seems like you can just you can get your exercise in and at the same time, do something that you're enjoying. I mean, I hate cardio, so anything I can do to make that go by faster, I'm going to do. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a good a good uh, combination. I mean, I love running, but I get so bored. And if I could play games while running, it would make my life infinitely better because it'd be two things I love at once. <laughs> yeah, so Excellent. I highly recommend it. <laughs> But yeah, cool. that's uh, so, that's it for me as far on the game front right now. <laughs> so I I feel like now that I've said this, if I had been like standing up while playing this game, I probably would have just fallen over because I so I've been playing Hyper Light Drifter, which is sort of frustrating and really enjoyable. Um, is it is it as hard as people say it is? So the thing is, I always find it difficult to answer that question because I don't tend to, like, I don't tend to finish games quickly. I don't tend to be top tier. Like, so I, I tend to assume that just because I'm not good at it doesn't mean that it's a hard game. However, I have been gratified to know that I'm finding this one difficult for the same reason other people are, which is that it's really unforgiving. Like, every single move you make makes a difference so i guess the short answer is yes (laughs) all right um it's a lot of really fast combat because speed is basically the only thing that your character has that's an advantage over anyone else um you only have five hp at any time um and like 10 bullets and then like a sword attack and it's a lot of, um, there's sort of exploration and then a lot of different types of enemies. So it's a l- about learning patterns. And I sort of skipped a generation of gaming, so I'm not sure how accurate this is. People say that it's sort of like the 2D Zelda uh, style. So you've got four different 
lands that you can go to in um, not, not really any order you want because I think two of them are blocked off. So you can go either like west or east at first and they each have their own dungeons and their own boss. Um, and that, so your character is this, this drifter. I, I don't know if there's a canon gender for them, but they're just like a, a figure. It's all 8-bit. Um, and the, the cutscenes and the intro are all very, they're wordless and they're very poetic and vague. So all you know is that your character has a heart disease and that there was some sort of apocalypse and that you had a dog and now your dog is gone and you're in the apocalypse. So I immediately latched onto this dog thing. Like, they're just looking for their dog. And there's a dog in, like, the hub world that ran toward the east section. So I went to the east section purely to follow the dog. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> that was my scientific method of choosing. Um, but, like, I'm I'm really attached to the character, even though they have almost no traits, because they're just, like, so determined and so sad. I really like games without dialogue. It, yeah, that's another kind of one of the difficult things about it, is that there's not only is there no dialogue, there's no text at all, really. So oh. you have to sort of... Yeah, you have to learn to interpret symbols, and some of them now they seem pretty simple. Like, you know, there's a certain symbol for how you can interact with this, or like there's an elevator in a certain section, but, um, it, and it's amazing to see how, like, incomprehensible the maps were at first, whereas now I know vaguely, like, okay, I understand. The, the one issue that I have is that the maps are, they don't always help really <laughs> like they're very your your location is only ever approximate and that can be kind of annoying but it's it's all right i have it on my wish list and i keep meaning to play it at some point when i have the money to buy it but i'm scared i'm scared it's gonna be too hard and i won't like it <laughs> <laughs> i am halfway through about i'm i'm honestly stuck on the the second boss and to be perfectly honest, co-op helps. I've had my roommate playing with me, and co-op made the first boss a lot easier, and now I'm just sort of hitting my head against the second one. But that means I'm halfway through, I think. <laughs> so, sort of, progress is being made. Nice. Yes. Um, yeah, and then, so I, I got the Halo loot crate which I just wanted to sort of talk about briefly um because it's pretty cool they have this whole like fire team Apollo story and you get like Spartan for acceptance documents which is like all I wanted oh like, that's so I, I, cool yeah I would just have paid for that like folder by itself <laughs> um and there's a there's an item of clothing in every box there's some figures um it it's 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 worth the price of admission, I think. It's not, like, stunning, but I I liked it. I really wish and I could a... get that stuff, but I don't think they shipped to New Zealand. And I'm just like, damn it. I want <sighs> I want Halo things. I want to be accepted to Spartan 4. I, oh, no. I am so afraid to get into Loot Crate stuff because I know I would sacrifice my wallet and all of the contents before long. <laughs> this is my first one, and this comes every two months, and it's like you pay for 
however, like, like you can pay for one or you can pay for three, or I think the furthest out it goes now is six because they're not even sure they're going to continue this line. It depends on how, how well it does. But, um, they have these sort of payment increments. But yeah, this is the first, the first one. And I, I certainly hope I don't get sucked into the rabbit hole after this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And there's so much Halo stuff coming up soon. There's an excerpt in the Loot Crate from actually, uh, Matt Forbeck's story from, uh, Fractures, which I'm excited about because, Matt Forbeck did New Blood, which I really enjoyed, and I'm sure we'll talk more about those books uh, later in this year. Yeah, definitely. So, Saf, what are you playing? I have been playing nothing super exciting, but I finally got my hands on Sims 4, which I've been wanting since it came out. Um, And I played, like, too much of it within a weekend because I was avoiding my real life responsibilities, which is really the only thing Sims is good for. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I I know, I was going to say Sims is for like, you binge Sims, right? Yeah, you binge it for a few days when you really don't want to face life and then you don't play it again for months, Um, which is probably why it took me so long. Oh my god, that is exactly my experience with the Sims. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's so bad, but it's good for when you kind of need an escape from real life and the feeling of control because you have so much control over all the characters and I micromanage like heck. Um, it's I really like Sims 4. It's not as good as previous games, I guess, because I I still miss some of the features they took out back in Sims 2 and then kind of just never brought back in the later games. And so even though Sims 3 is gorgeous, the animation is amazing, and the Sims look, they've kind of got pudding faces, but otherwise it's really fun to customize them, especially now that they've removed all the gender restrictions, and so you can make your Sim whatever gender identification they want to be, basically, which is really cool. that's awesome. And I dig it so much. And it means you can dress them in any clothes, give them any haircut, anything you want, um, which is amazing. And so, of course, I made, like, three of the most hipster Sims possible, because... (laughs) I am a because, hipster myself, and I must live my dream because of being... Because you are predictable, Saf. Yeah, basically. Um, and I like the social interaction things I have. When you go out to events with other Sims, or you throw an event yourself, like a wedding or a birthday party, it gives you goals you have to reach so that you know how good your party is going, or a certain event is going, or date or anything, and to make it better, which is really cool because in Sims 3, they had certain, they would have grades for how well you did at a, at a given event, but they were hidden and you couldn't tell how well you were actually doing. And it was really hard to know how to throw like the best party ever because it wouldn't give you actual things to do except for what your Sim wanted to do. And in this, it gives you a little pop-up that gives you everything you need to do basically. And so you just follow that and do really well if you can, which is really cool. And I dig that a lot. What I don't like is with when you're trying to romance a sim, if the conversation between you and the sim you're trying to romance turns into a three-way conversation in some form, it, every single romantic interaction instantly becomes awkward and both sims will become embarrassed and then you cannot flirt with them until they stop being embarrassed. And so if you're on a date with a sim and you're sitting with them at a bar and somebody else comes along and joins the conversation, your entire date is ruined, which is not realistic at all. Aww. Huh. Yeah, that seems sort of odd. Yeah, and there are ways to minimize how a sim is feeling, so to like make them feel something else instead, so that you can 
push the embarrassment away, but it's really frustrating to do when you're when you have a time limit or you just you just want the sim to hold your hand. And I don't I don't like it. That's my main complaint about the game is just the way that embarrassment can affect your sim, which which makes sense because when you're embarrassed, you don't really want to make moves or anything. I just hate that the three way conversation does that so easily. But otherwise, it's a really cool game, and the, I forgot what it's called, but the expansion pack that lets you go to work with your sims is really cool, because I've always wanted to do that. I have a nurse sim, and so you can go with her to her work and help her do things, so you can tell her what to do, you can treat patients, analyze samples, clean up the puddle in the bathroom, talk to people, it's really cool. (laughs) Cool. I was never a Sims person, so I don't really have much, like, specific questions. I, I like when people make alien characters or, like, oh, I've made a Togruta or something. That's my primary window into Sims world. <laughs> yeah, I really, I had a lot of aliens in Sims too. Like, I had a family that just ended up being entirely aliens at one point, And I was like, I shouldn't be surprised. And yet I kind of am. but yeah i don't know how i don't know if aliens are in sims 4 or how to get to them yet so i don't have that option yet unless it's in the character creator which it may well be because there are a lot of options in it and i got very overwhelmed and so i haven't clicked into everything um i think my other main issue is that the goals the life aspirations for your sims are a bit more dumbed down in sims 4 as well so they're a lot less choices than there were in sims 3 which is kind of boring because there's you want to do more exciting things sometimes with your sims but i assume they'll bring in more and later expansions anyway so whatever basically if you want a good time with sims just give them a lot of money (laughs) there seems to be some sort of social commentary in there yeah (laughs) it's very ea honestly the fact that (laughs) it's a thing like that um but if you like the sims the sims 4 is good and i mean i'm probably the last person on earth to actually start playing the game after it came out because everybody else has it already but it's really fun cool all right um anything else about games no wait i'm playing halo 5 finally this weekend and i'm very excited oh man that's awesome so you remind me you've not played it before but you've watched it yeah i watched correct all yes. of the cutscenes um, while packing for Melbourne, I think, last year. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it still. The more I think about it, the more confused I am on how I feel about it. So I'm going to see how I feel after I actually play all the way through. Um, I'm really excited to actually finally get a chance to play it, even if I end up feeling kind of iffy on it in the end. Because Cortana's in it, and Halsey's in it, and I love them, so whatever. Halsey is so important. She's so important. Cool. And we will talk more about that, I'm sure. Yes. All right. So we're going to move on to our main topic, which is No Man's Sky, which has been in the news a lot lately. Um, we have Brian on because he has actually played it. Um, <laughs> and so it's been out um, on PC since August 9th. But there were some initial PC issues. Um, yeah, just, I believe the story. just a couple. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> so, Brian, Dick, take it away. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the initial PC issues go, I actually had to go double up my RAM in my gaming PC uh, because the I had the minimum RAM specs, but it was nowhere close to running the game well. Uh, so that put me behind about five days. Um, overall, though, I, I enjoy the game a lot. Um, but it is... It is a very divisive and a very flawed but ambitious game. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not sure uh, if if you want to kind of steer this at all. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a game that is really hard to define and describe. Yeah, so I mean, the I'm not going to do too much moderation, I think, but just to sort of go over what. It is and how it works. Um, so it's procedurally generated, and I guess space exploration game would be the most accurate way to describe what you actually do. Yeah. That was the big question going in, right? What do you do? Yeah, I, I, th I think that's the right way to put it. I mean, um, if I were to describe this, it is what I wanted that Star Trek MMO to be, where you are actually exploring and you are boldly going. Um, so it's... It's space exploration with a hint of first-person shooter, a hint of space combat simulator, and a good helping of survival. Is there story? Cool. Sorry. I'm really... I don't actually know of this at all, but is there any story in the game? So there... <laughs> yes and no. There is this overarching uh, framework of a story where you are proceeding towards the center of the galaxy you're in um and there's bits of lore i haven't discovered a ton of it yet but there's bits of lore scattered throughout um some ancient races you'll discover and there is this thing called the atlas which i interacted with at the beginning of the game and i have not run into any instances of it since um but yeah very thirty thousand foot overview framework of a story but nothing nothing really sharply defined all right yeah, i guess well, that would be potentially difficult with a procedurally generated thing yeah and that's 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 where it gets tricky uh defining a narrative there yeah we'll talk about lore a little more going forward too but um, so I've heard that you're you're primarily alone, like your character is exploring alone. You get to name planets that you found. Um, did you, along on the course of it, did you find planets that other people had named? I had not. Um, I I know there have been a small handful of instances where a player has run into a discovered world of another player, but because of the sheer scope of this game, I mean, we're talking. It's it's an actual galaxy-sized environment that they are dropping you into. The odds of running into another player's discovered planet are extremely remote. Um, I And I would not be surprised if I never run into another player's discovery. Hmm. And from what I've heard, the other characters you, you interact with are the NPCs, essentially the people that trade trade you for things, but they are the same everywhere you go like it's just one character model is that correct well there there are actually a couple different species that i've run into but each species kind of has the same character model 
uh, for each species. So there's not a whole lot. Uh, there's not a whole lot of diversity there. Um, where things get different are the uh, are the creatures you might run into on a planet you discover because the procedurally generated environment is choosing from kind of a sandbox of uh, models of model pieces that it'll piece together to create um, this creature you haven't seen before. Yeah, and that's, it's been kind of interesting seeing the different creatures. N- none of them, like, I love creatures. Like, I liked Spore, and Spore was a very flawed game, but simply because you could build these creatures. Um, none of them have, like, I- I've not looked at any of them and gone, like, oh, that's awesome. Have you found anything cool? Most of what I've run into has been very awkward looking, and you, you, can, you get the impression that the, the system might need a little refining on the pieces it's putting together. For some of these creatures, because I've run into what looks like an elephant with a squid's head uh, before. Excellent. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it, it might not make the most sense, but it is still fun running into these randomly generated creatures that you haven't seen anywhere else. Okay, so that's where you get the most variety. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be on the worlds themselves where you get the most variety. Um, if you're, When you're out in space and you're running into the space stations, the other ships, uh, it's a lot more stock. Actually, when it so, comes to... Sorry, sorry, Megan. Um, when it comes to planets themselves, is there like a variance in the color planet... Color planets? Color palettes of the environments? Or are they all is, quite similar? There is, yes. I mean, I've... They, you've been to the brown desert worlds. You've I've been to uh, much colder white frozen worlds. Um, I there are there are very rocky and gray moons. So there there's a big color palette it chooses from. Um, it does su- the game does suffer from what I call Star Wars planetary syndrome, where every planet appears to be a single biome. Right. Hmm. So, Brian, go ahead and go through sort of the gameplay mechanics. You have this wonderful note in our show notes that says, ARG, the inventory system. <laughs> so, <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, the, the inventory system and crafting kind of go hand in hand. As you're going through the game, you discover these sort of blueprints or plans to build things. Things like a hyperdrive and the fuel for your hyperdrive, and it instructs you to go find these items uh, that you can buy uh, th- that you can buy uh, through the uh, economic trading system throughout, and get these elements to jumble together to create these things you need to keep exploring and to keep surviving. Uh, where it falls apart is the inventory system, which might be the most cumbersome, poorly thought out inventory system I've run into in any game. So you can store stuff in your ship or in your exosuit. And your slots are very limited, which I get. Um, Where things get annoying, though, is the items don't stack. So let's say you have two of these uh, PCB boards that you need to build a hyperdrive. It doesn't stack and say quantity two. No, it takes up two slots, which takes away from the minerals you can be gathering in order to survive, to charge your equipment and things like that. So that... That is one area of the game that drives me absolutely nuts. I somewhat understand why that happens sometimes, but it still feels like it should be an accepted standard that similar item, well, the same item should just stack because it makes life so much easier 
for the people playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think where they went wrong is they were using this very hard slotting system for items in your inventory rather than doing what uh, you'd see in Skyrim or things like that where it's a weight-based system. So you can only carry this much sp- this much weight worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like a weight system might have worked better for the style of the game as well or for the theme of it even. And another big problem I have is I am really obsessive when it comes to inventory organization. So when I've got these similar things scattered here in this slot and down here in this slot and here in this third slot, it drives me nuts because I want them to all be stacked so I can easily find things and just make my life a little easier. So I wish they'd spent a little more time refining the inventory system. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like... Um, surviving in destiny with that type of system and I'm just like how how yeah yeah destiny is on the other end of the inventory spectrum which is done much better than uh, no man's sky so how about uh, you mentioned trade so how about you know trading this inventory for something else gotcha so there are there are these on each planet, you can run into outposts that are manned by these alien species you run into. And some of these outposts have these consoles where you can interact with it and then trade goods in your inventory for credits or buy buy things out of their inventory with the credits you have. And this inventory system kind of speaks to this more regional system-based economy they have. Uh, so if you're looking... If you need um, suspension fluid for uh, your hyperdrive, what you can do is you go mine a bunch of gold, which is a which is a valuable mineral. You sell that into the inventory system, get a bunch of credits back, and then you turn around, take that, buy the item you need to craft the components you need to get off the planet and move into the next system. Um, you there are also uh, many of the systems also have these space stations where you can land and then uh, they've got the same inventory kiosk there where you can do the same the same trading. Okay, so that's pretty standard. No, yeah, not it's, too much going on. It, it, there's, yeah. there's not too much going on there. It's a very standard uh, economic system that you've run into dozens of times before in different games you've played. So nothing really out of the ordinary or too special there. Cool. So it sounds like the bulk of it is it's exploring. It's not so much in those stations. Um, what what do you like about exploring, and what like weird stuff have you found? So uh, some of the one of the weirder things I've run into is there are the you can run into these ruins on worlds established by these ancient civilizations that you don't know much about, and I ran into. I ran into one where it is it was just this giant floating ball and I it gave me the option to step away from it or put my hand into it. And I did. Oh no. <laughs> I I did and I disturb I disturbed a, a very important uh, spiritual uh spiritual place for the alien species in that system and I lost a ton of favors and could not do a whole lot of uh, bartering with them after that. Uh, oh, so yeah, there are there are some consequences to uh, exploring willy-nilly and just 
interacting with everything you run into. Um, but uh, re- you're, you're right. Uh, exploring is... It's the crowning achievement of this game. I, it's weirdly relaxing in a way. Um, it, it It is a little bit of a grind, and I normally don't like games that are big grind fest, but I'm you're walking through these procedurally generated terrains, seeing things that you haven't seen before and no one else playing the game has seen before. And there's this just very relaxing element to it. It's repetitive, but in a way that isn't bad, it's repetitive in a way that is calming. And this is a game I would, I lose myself in just for the exploring act, the exploring aspect if this game ever gets support for the HTC Vive I am buying an HTC Vive just so I can lose myself even more in it that's cool it does sound like this would be really um, a good fit for VR because it is it's all about just seeing these vistas yeah absolutely and if you're looking for if you're looking for a game that is an escape, this is that game. Uh, it's going to deliver on that promise for you to just take you out of the anxieties and the stressors all around you and just dump you in these very beautiful vistas um, and just go exploring. So there is also a, a combat element. I think there are space pirates. Um, is that relaxing uh, also? You no. Know, um <laughs> Uh, No Man's Sky fancies itself as a first-person shooter in space combat sim. It does neither well. Um, The the controls aren't responsive enough for it. Um, Not enough thought has gone into how the mechanics of flying a combat flight simulator works in this game. So mostly it's just frustrating when you get into any kind of combat. The good news is you can avoid them if you need to. Um, sometimes with the pirates, there's no getting away from them, but if you are on a world that seems pretty hostile, you can leave it and move on to someplace and find someplace that's less hostile. So you're not, you're not forced to endure more combat than when you want to, which is good because it's not good in this game at all. Hmm. And you're, you're fighting those, uh sentinels too right yeah these uh, floating sentinel drone things um so you all you really have on you is your multi-tool which you can modify with uh sort of combat power-ups that work better in these fighting situations but it takes up a slot in your multi-tool and i want my i want to use my multi-tool to mine resources and upgrade those components uh so having to have some kind of combat attachment just bothers me a bit when I want to be doing other things. The the Sentinels thing, and, like, I don't know the lore at all, really, but the Sentinels thing kind of bothered me at first because they were described as, like, police or park rangers, and my first thought is, like, if the park rangers are telling you to get out of the place, you ought to get out of the place. So I feel like <laughs> I just feel like apologizing to Sentinels the whole time, even if they're in the way. See, and that's how I play the game, too, is I feel really bad when these Sentinels show up because apparently I'm someplace I shouldn't be, and I don't want to, I don't want to go all uh, violating the Prime Directive out here. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, they're doing their job. <laughs> they're doing their job. I'm the one intruding. I feel bad about that. Aw. Well, I'm glad it's not just me. I would feel bad about that, too. Yeah, so it's... Combat is what it is in this game. Uh, it's not for me. It's not designed well enough for me, and I avoid it any chance I get. So let's go back to the the actual burning question of the hour, which is the lore slash story. Um, is there any? Kind of. Um, th- I mean, there is lore in the game. I have not discovered much of it yet. Because I am I am playing this in a way where I am I'm kind of going slow and discovering things bit by bit because for me and I, I kind of landed on this thinking about the game this morning. One of the I think the reason a lot of people struggle with No Man's Sky is because it puts a lot of responsibility on the player's shoulders to bring their own narrative into the game and to provide their own context and their own story. So, yeah, there's this macro journey to the center of the galaxy for some, as of now, vague and undefined reason. But um, I think it works better if you provide yourself with a couple key details when you start playing the game. So everybody who plays this game gets is in a similar situation. They wake up stranded on some planet that they're not they don't know much about. Their ship is smoking and in need of repairs and that's kind of the setup for everyone who launches the game for the first time. For me, I found that the whole game started playing differently for me and started becoming more enjoyable when I defined who I was in my head starting the game. So I decided that my player character is a, um, is a 30 something, uh, woman who was with a convoy, uh, flying es- flying an escort detail, got sucked into a black hole, got spit out at the edge of the galaxy. And she is trying to get her, find her way back to the center of the galaxy. So she can get back to her wife and daughter. And that kind of, that kind of, once I started thinking of it in terms of that, it starts, you start building your own story in your head as you play. Uh, So it becomes, for me, it became this game where it's survival, yes, but also a journey home, which gives me the narrative structure I need to keep wanting to play and keep exploring and keep diving towards that center of the universe or center of the galaxy. I do feel like this is a sort of natural setting for that. I mean, it happens in any game, but you can make your character whatever you want. And there's a lot of uh, chances to sort of expand, to use a very Star Wars term, to expand the universe <laughs> in terms of who your player is. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a dissimilar concept from other games. The, the only issue is No Man's Sky doesn't give you that character builder. It doesn't give you the chance to use dialogue options to define who your character is. You have to define it for yourself right at the beginning. And if you don't do that, then it the game feels a little more aimless and without purpose. So you, 
you really have to bring in your own narrative and your own sort of foundational plot set up yourself to get the most value out of it. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't know how I would um, feel about that if I was playing the game myself, which is partly why I haven't picked it up yet. I've seen yeah, and- screenshots of, I guess, like the opening text or something. Some of the text that's like, this is what's happening or something. I don't know exactly what it was. And it didn't seem the best written either. So I, I've been kind of like iffy on it just for that reason. Cause, yeah, the yeah. the text... The in-game text is very, very, very minimalist. Um, so it's putting it is putting the onus on you, the player, to decide what you want this game to be and what you want the story for yourself to be. And there is some like backstory for the aliens and stuff. It just doesn't really have much to do with what you're doing in the present, from what I've read. Yeah, that that's correct. There's. For lore, for lore junkies, there's backstory there. If you want to learn more about just this, just this galaxy in a macro sense, you can learn bits and pieces here and there. Interesting factoids. Um, uh, you can learn some of the their species language by visiting uh, these relics and talking to some of them. You pick up little. Uh, you'll pick up little sort of pieces of the Rosetta Stone that help you understand uh, what these alien species are saying more and more. But uh, again, it's the dialogue and the text is very sparse. Um, and uh, if if you need more structure than that, I totally get why this game doesn't work for you. Yeah, that's just sort of not what it's trying to do, right? Yeah, it's... Th- this game... Its purpose is to give the player to give the player the freedom to define their own story and their own adventure. And I don't know if I have played a game that provides or that uh, removes the framework as much as No Man's Sky does. Hmm. Removing the framework is a good way to say that, I think. Yeah, I mean it none of none of the narrative uh None of the little narrative things you're used to in establishing a game are in No Man's Sky. You are very much just dumped on a planet. You're given a little bit of in-game tutorial to help you get around, but uh, what's your purpose? Why are you there? Where are you? Why are you going to the center of the galaxy? It's really not defined that well for you. Um, they leave it up to you to to figure out for yourself. I do what wonder you're doing and why you're doing. I wonder if that was a heavily considered thing that they fully decided on that they were like, we're going to give them this complete freedom, and so we're not going to do any narrative at all, essentially. Or if they kind of approach it from the way that they were like, we don't think stories that important, so we're not going to bother doing this. So we'll just make it like this instead. And I'd be curious to hear about that because. Whenever they talk about yeah. the game, it's largely about everything else in the game, not about the fact that there is minimal narrative within the game, apart from the lore stuff you can find. Yeah, you know, I I, I don't think they place as much importance on the narrative as other games out there. But on the other hand, I do think that this is a feature and not a bug, that it was very much intentional that they wanted to let the player 
define so much of this for themselves and to make it their their own very unique experience that doesn't match any other player's experience in the game. Yeah. That's an interesting distinction, and I think maybe they sort of came at it from both ends and met in the middle. Like, I don't imagine they wanted dialogue trees or, you know, for you to have... Uh, characters with really unique backstories like that just wasn't what they were going to do but on the other hand what they did want to do is sort of give you the sense of the immensity of this universe and one way to do that is to make your character that sort of blank slate who's just a human figure against all of this uh wilderness yeah and um i i i the game probably started with the big idea, okay, procedurally generated universe we're going to explore. And I think as they were developing this concept, they probably they probably realized there's potentially a lot of power in not telling the player what's going on. And it initially it may have been, yeah, we're not going to worry about story. But then it becomes, yeah, this is better if we don't worry about the story. That not telling the player what's going on can be tricky. <laughs> it, it really can. I mean, I've I've played plenty of games that have fallen flat on their face by not telling the player enough. I'm laughing because I'm a Destiny fan. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, so briefly, um, PC Gamer released a, an article. Several uh, organizations picked up on this, but this article had a good rundown of it, I thought, that um, there was a significant drop-off in concurrent players. So I just wanted to sort of see if you guys had any opinions about this briefly. They noted that there was 88% drop-off in under two weeks, but also that that's not all that unusual. Like, another game they cited had 85, like 70 is considered sort of good. Um, that this just was making headlines, but wasn't actually news. I just thought that was kind of interesting. I never really thought about the the numbers before in terms of how something trends. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? There was, yeah, you know, sorry. I, I feel like I read this story with every single AAA title out there, so I just don't pay attention oh, okay. to it too much anymore. That's the thing to remember Maybe is that this was a... No Man's Sky isn't a AAA title. It's an indie game. It's made by well, an indie studio. Yeah. It was just supported by Sony and they made it very big. Um, I There was a talk I went to at Play by Play, which was the co the conference I went to in New Zealand. It's the International Gaming Conference in New Zealand, um, done by the guys who made Mini Metro, Dinosaur Polo Club, I think is their name. Um, was it them or somebody else? Somebody had a talk. No, it was the guy that made Polybridge, which is another game made in New Zealand. Um, and he talked about how there's the tale with a game. And so you have, when a game first gets released, it gets a lot of sales. Hopefully, it gets a lot of sales and a lot of players. But then right after that, it drops off a lot. And it's the tale that lasts after that. It's all the users that keep playing after that that are important. And that's what you want. You want a strong user base continuing to go. And it's possible that No Man's Sky has will have found that and even though it's lost a lot of players which is still a normal thing the players that have stuck around and who really like it will continue to play it and will encourage their friends to play it and so it'll it'll stay strong for those people even if it doesn't continue being like the biggest game ever which was never going to be it was it was way too overhyped yeah. which is part of the reason why it lost so many people in under two weeks is because it wasn't the game it was hyped up to be which is a huge yeah. issue with the games industry in general and games press in general, but you know. 
Yeah, the best and worst thing to happen in No Man's Sky was Sony throwing its weight and resources behind it. Um, it made it made an indie game. It produced an in, it helped produce an indie game with AAA expectations, and yeah. I don't think that was ever going to be a winning combination. No, I mean if it, if this had come out as just an indie game, as it is, that would have been like mind blowing. It would have been amazing. Um, the We'd fa- be talking about one of the biggest indie game successes ever. Yeah, if absolutely. Sony hadn't hyped um, it up the way they did. But yeah, the fact that people were expecting it to be a triple A game when it wouldn't have had anywhere near enough resources to become that, um, and also wouldn't have had—I believe it should have had more time before it released. But there's no way it ever would have gotten that. Um, just enough from like the few months it got pushed back was sounded awful for the devs and i feel so sorry for the devs working on this game because it would be enormously stressful to have those expectations as an indie studio i can't even imagine ever working under those conditions and so even though i know the game did not live up to expectations for a lot of people i still feel that there's too much vitriol towards them yeah absolutely and um it was it's a small studio that is dealing with AAA expectations and it's I feel really bad for them because what they have out there is an extremely thought-provoking and compelling game. Imperfect, yes, but it's one of the most creative and original games I've played in a long time and I feel like that gets lost in the AAA expectations that got heaped on it. Mm. Yeah. I imagine that it's much easier to say that you were someone was disappointed that this game didn't feel like exactly like every emotion they felt when they showed that first trailer with the ship going in and out of the atmosphere. Um, it's very easy to say, oh, the game didn't live up to all the myriad things I imagined when I saw that. It's very hard to make this game. Yeah, yeah it's hard a- for any abs- game. Absolutely. And in fairness to No Man's Sky, I feel like we've all been duped by enough game trailers that we should know that the sizzle reel we're getting there almost never matches our expectations. I find it really weird that, in particular for No Man's Sky, that people have been pointing out like what they said in the first time it got announced and in the first trailer and all of that stuff, and they're like, none of the stuff is in the game. And I'm like, every single time a new game, a new big game comes out, this happens Somewhat like this is the big outcry that the stuff in the first trailer never happened. And like, I mean, I noticed it myself with Dragon Age Inquisition, which was a game I was super excited for. And in the first trailer and trailers after that, and in interviews and other things, they would talk about features that were just never in the final game. And that's just what happens with games. Games are huge and they're very expensive and very time consuming to make. It's not easy to make a game. And I say this as a writer, (laughs) that is not the easiest job, but like the, the most resource not heavy game like game dev thing to do um just being a simple writer not a narrative designer and it's it's not easy and features get cut all the time because they end up being unimportant to the um, the actual game itself or because there's just too much work put in to make it work because they they won't they're too buggy or other things go wrong or because the game kind of swerves away from that and they realize they don't really care about doing that too much there's so many reasons why a certain feature will be cut or why different things change before a game comes out and the fact that this isn't more transparent and obvious despite developers trying to make it more of a thing that everyone knows 
general audiences don't understand that and they think it's really easy to just put things in like that one person who said that they could introduce multiplayer in two weeks which is ridiculous they <laughs> no, could you not can't. No, no you can't no way uh, and I, I feel like there isn't in a lot of the discourse there really isn't a sense of scale and proportion when talking about things that didn't quite live up to expectations because while no man's sky may not have hit everyone's expectations it's not like they were peter molyneux grade duped on <laughs> on the game yeah and i think but, no man's sky is important at least for this conversation even if it's so much so much hate but i i really don't like that people who have like 50 plus hours on it are refunding it now because it didn't live up to the hype or anything because like if you played 50 hours you've played enough of the game to know that you shouldn't have wanted it before then yeah you should have and i I, as someone who's played the game you should have known about five hours in if this was going to be for you or not yeah and i mean i understand like different things where sorry (coughs) um like, if you've hit a game-breaking bug, like, 50 hours in, and it doesn't get patched eventually, then, like, sure, whatever. Your game is broken. Refund that. But for a lot of people, it is just they got – they found out that they could refund at 50 hours in, and they're like, okay, sure, everyone else is doing it. And it's just – it's awful. It's not fair on the devs at all. No, a- absolutely not. I, and they're – even on the PC side, they got things patched up to, to the point where it's pretty playable. And yeah, – five hours in you should have known you should have had a pretty good idea that this gameplay style and mechanic wasn't going to work for you you shouldn't you're being disingenuous if you say it took you 50 hours to reach that conclusion and any any form of entertainment that can give you 50 hours of playtime deserves that money because i don't think i have a single game except potentially kingdom hearts 2 and sims 3 with over 50 hours in my library yeah, if you got 50 hours out of it, then you got at least some of your money's worth. So my, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy there, for, for the gamer, at least. Yeah. So speaking of sort of criticism and conversation, um, Chuck Wendig, who did a, a really cool article about No Man's Sky for um, Rolling Stone, also did one on his own blog on Terrible Minds about... Five things I'd like to see in No Man's Sky. Um, he says he loves the game, but that it felt sort of hollow. And um, part of my favorite part of this article was um, that he says so much of the game seems disconnected from the larger system. Um, if I name a creature or a place or a cactus, why does it matter? Who will see it? And that sort of that like resonated with what I've heard about it. Um, Brian, you sort of wanted to talk about this as, as someone who also liked it and also had criticism. What what did you want to highlight in this? I, I actually wanted to hit on that point Chuck made about the isolation aspect and feeling like you're not connected to the galaxy as a whole. I think there I think there's a small tweak they could do to actually help with this, and that is uh, how they were the same way they've got that uh, economic trading kiosk system. There can be there could be some kind of other terminal or something in the game where you can see these little bits and details about things that maybe other people have discovered that you'll never get to because 
they're way on the other side of the galaxy, but you can see in game some of the cool and amazing things that other players have seen that makes you feel a little less alone there. Um, and hmm, interesting. So, like in game social media. Yeah, in game social media. I mean, uh, just. Maybe maybe the details are a little scrambled. Maybe the pictures are a little fuzzy because they've traveled a long way. But just a little something to make you feel a little more connected to the to the fact that you are playing this cloud hosted, massively multiplayer but not game. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point. I I was gonna talk about the connection to the world, but like the connection to other players or at least the awareness of a lack of connection is a huge part of this game. And that could be something that f fuels your player's drive forward in this galaxy is just these little bits of information that come in from other players in the game that shows you're not alone. And if you just head that way, you might find them. Hmm. So, Saf, did you read this? I admit I did not because I'm terrible at reading notes ahead of time. Um. <laughs> Me too. That's fine, don't worry about it. Um, All right, yeah, it's a. Uh, go ahead, Brian. And uh, that Chuck's fifth point there: more complicated planets would be nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a single biome Star Wars syndrome uh, I mentioned earlier. Um, really, though, this whole article and folks should go read it. Uh, addresses a bunch of the things I like about the game and a bunch of the things I don't like. And as always, Chuck puts it much more eloquently and uh, full of more curse words than I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, article. If you like his style, definitely check it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are pretty much my thoughts on the game. I'm still I'm still playing. I'm still exploring. And I, I, I'm, I'm very open to seeing where this game takes me and if my thoughts alters how the game plays or if the game mechanics alters how I feel about the game. It's kind of a weird symbiotic relationship right now. Hmm. So that actually goes into my last question, which is, um, I guess, one... What do you think the future of this game looks like? Do you think there's going to be any, um, I don't know if DLC is the appropriate term here, but like large scale changes? And two, what is the fan community going to do with this? I can see people having like RPGs set in this world. I can also see people just making joke mods. Um, anything you've seen so far or think that might be coming? Well, I, I imagine there's going to be some... Uh, game mechanics overhauls that come in, the inventory system being one of them because that is the most frequently complained about thing I've seen. Um, and I I have no idea how they do it, but I suspect that they are going to try and implement some changes to the narrative structure to try and give the player a little more sense of what's going on. Um, but again, I don't know how they do that with this. Where... I think there, where I think a lot of value is going to be derived, though, is from the fan community. I can see this being, I can see this being kind of a new era in let's play games, in which a player is recording themselves and they are telling their own story in real time and crafting their own tale to put out there in these let's play videos for people to consume. I I think this might be a game that lends itself well to a kind of a new way of doing interactive 
self-made storytelling. Oh, that's interesting. Sort of character building, but on Twitch or something, but live. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I think there's a lot of potential for that there and for fans to be extremely creative with how they play these games and share these games with other people. Um, The storytelling possibilities, I mean, even though there's really nothing there in the game to work with, it gives the player a lot of room to tell and share their own story, that they are just making up as they go. And I I think I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things produced by No Man's Sky. Yeah, I would I would definitely support that. Yeah, but um uh, it's still so early for me right now. I mean, I'm I'm still very much feeling out the game and I've got about 25 hours in. And it just feels like there's so much more I can do with this and places I can take it. I don't know if the game is going to give me room to do that. I don't know. I, it's really unknown for me, and I've never really played a game that is this undefined but feels like it's got so much untapped potential that I can dig into. But we'll have to see. I'm really... Oh, well, I'm certainly curious about... Oh, go ahead, Sorry. Jeff. I'm really curious about where this game will be in it like a year's time after it's had a few patches and people have discovered more and played more and it's gonna be really interesting to see yeah i this just feels like a generation one prototype game for a new genre we haven't fully defined yet um i don't know if this game is going to be the one I don't know if this game is going to be the one in whatever genre this is that we're going to be talking about in five years. Maybe something else comes along and takes the skeleton of No Man's Sky, refines it, and gets something more out of it. Maybe, maybe it's the fan community that kind of steers the developers into figuring out what this game should be. While, but yeah, while this game is great and I love it, it's kind of directionless at the at the moment hmm well i'm curious to see how your astronaut does on her on her journey <laughs> uh we we shall find out yes um great so i think that's all that i have um brian thank you so much for coming out and talking to us yeah thanks for having me on Cool. So where can people find you if we if we have not uh, promoted Tashi Station enough? We can always stand to do that some more. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter with the handle Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. Um, I, I do all the administrative work on Tashi Station. You can hear me on uh, Tashi Station Radio, kind of our flagship show. I'm one of the players on Of Dice and Droids, and I'm on the Throncast. I'm occasionally on the Tashi Station Book Club. You can find me at all of those places at different points. Uh, Just go subscribe to the Tashi Station mega podcast feed to get all of our shows and hear everything. Cool. So um, you can find our uh, podcast feed at Western Reaches. I believe it's Western underscore Reaches on Twitter. Um, I can be found at blog full of words on Twitter. That's like my main hub. And Saf, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Wanderlusten 
And that also was my main hub because I am also always on Twitter and you can never get me off of it. And you can also find me on my website, notsafwork.com. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So visit us on Twitter. You can visit Tashi Station on Facebook. And don't forget to check the Western Reaches.